0: You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never ending assistance in Ramaph Hashemesh 5780 2020. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Truma, and we have the beginning of the command of Akadosh Baruch Hu of God to the Jewish people to create a Mishkan a sanctuary in which God would rest His divine presence. The Jewish people would have an opportunity to come and serve God in a unique way in the Mishkan. And as a result of their service of God, as a result of creating the sanctuary, God would dwell in their midst, in the midst of the Jewish people. We'll also Mikdash. I'd like to share with you a beautiful idea from Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, Sihas Moser. And before I get into the meat of what he has to say, I'll just give you his introduction, which I'm not going to read inside, but it's very powerful and important to understand. And that is that the of the of the Tabernacle, of the sanctuary, of the Mishkan, are unique in the Torah. There's an extensive description of the command to create the different parts of the Mishkan, to create all the different aspects of the structure itself, of the kalim, the vessels that were used inside of the Mishkan. And then we have the actual creation of those things and the description of all of them. And the Torah seems to go on and on. We have this week's Parsha, next week's Parsha. We have two Parsha's farther along that describe all of these different aspects of the Mishkan, and he points out that there's an amazing thing we find Chazal say in regards to the small, you know, it's just a few psukim that Eliezer speaks about the story of what happened when he came to find Rifka, and he describes the whole story. The Torah had just told us the story, and then we hear Eliezer repeating the story. And Chazal tell us that there are many things in the Torah that are what Chazal referred to as the teachings of the sons, the teachings of the children that are taught to us in a letter they're not even actually said explicitly in the Torah but they're mentioned or they're, they're inferred from an extra letter in the Torah from an extra word in the Torah and we're able to infer many many different things that are not stated explicitly but it, when it came to the description the speech of the slave of Avram of Abraham which was Eliezer the Torah goes through and, and shows us each and every word and each and every action because it wants to teach us certain things about Derech Eretz the way that things are supposed to be, the way that things are supposed to, you know, a person is supposed to interact with others, etc. When it comes to the parsha of Chuma, parsha of Tetzava, Vayaka Bekude, so we have these descriptions of the Mishkan, which are extensive and doubled. And the Mishkan was only for that time. Let's remember, the Mishkan was only used. Well, not just in the wilderness; it was also used until the Beis Hamidosh, the temple, was to be built. But once the Beis Hamidosh was there? It stood for approximately 400 years. Second base, I mean, the Second Temple stood for another 400 years, and we will have the Mishkan again when the when Mashiach comes. As per Chazal, our sages tell us that. It's a Gemara in Sukkah, gemar in other places. But for all intents and purposes, it seems very difficult to understand why the Torah repeatedly speaks about the Mishkan, the sanctuary. What is it there to teach us? So Reb Khaim tells us that it must be, and I'll read this part inside. The base, the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, was a place, was a, a place where Hashem appears in the world, so to speak. And he tells us that the Mishkan itself was meant to be a replication, in a certain sense of the way the upper worlds are created, where Hashem Himself, as it were, we don't know what this means, obviously, we have to be careful about Hag Hashem is not physical, Hashem has no physical uh, presence, but our perception of Hashem, our perception of the way He interacts with us, so there's the way that He appears, so to speak, in the spiritual realms, that is duplicated in the Mishkan. And therefore, we need to understand that when the Torah is giving us this entire description of all of the details of the Mishkan, it's for a reason. We can understand what's going on above. So, with that, you know, bit of information, we start to have a little bit of an understanding why the Torah tells us so much details, so many details. Of course, it tells us, that there are deep secrets that are contained within all the different details of the Mishkan. This is something that we don't understand. So maybe the Mokubalim understand, the Kabbalists. We're going to look at some interesting points that are, that are taught by our Chazal, by our sages, in regards to the Beis HaMikdash, in regards to the Mishkan, I'm sorry, in regards to the Tabernacle. And we begin with the idea, of course, the beginning of any con- concept in the Torah, the beginning of any idea, is always the most important foundational idea because the Rosh, the head, the beginning, just like a Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, is the foundation for the entire year. It's the seed. So, to the first point that we talk about in regards to Bracious Barley came in the beginning of the Torah is Bracious. So, there's so many different things to understand about the word Bracious, about the letter bays of Bracious, which we spoke about when we spoke about Precious. But, over here as well, the beginning of the Mishkan, the beginning of the Tabernacle, of Yikhli God says to the Jewish people, bring to me, Li, bring to me, a a, a donation. Okay? V'asu li mikdash, Pasuk says, you shall make for me, a temple, a sanctuary. Okay? What is the idea of V'yichu li truma, which is the foundation, of the sanctuary, bring for me, take for me, a, A uh, donation, bring bring a donation. Pirshu Chazal li lishmi. Rashi brings it. Chazal tell us an amazing thing, an important thing, a foundational thing that we need to understand. Li bring it for me. What does li mean? Lishmi, bring it for my sake. God says, don't do it with any ulterior motives. Do it because bring your donation for me, pure with a pure intent. Every single thing in the Mishkan in the tabernacle needs to be done for the sake of God, only for the sake of God. The person should not, when they bring that donation to the Mishkan to the sanctuary, it shouldn't have any ulterior motive, it shouldn't have any selfish reasons it's done. And he brings a beautiful idea, an unbelievable idea from the building of the base hamikdash. He brings in, and follow this because it's really interesting, very foundational. The Pesach says in Melachim, in First Kings, chapter five, verses sixteen through nineteen. King Solomon sent a message to Hiram, who was a certain king. I tell you that as David Avi, you knew my father David, King David. He wasn't able to build the temple to, for the name of Hashem, his God verse tells us that King Solomon was sending a message to Hiram. So he said to him, you know, that my father wasn't able to build the temple because there were so many wars that were going on, he was involved in wars. So Solomon says, Shalom says to Hiram, I'm the one who God said would build the Beis build a temple. As as God said to my father, "Bincha shere etein ta'achta al kisacha Your son, I'm going to, who is going to follow you, is going to be sitting on the throne in your place after King David dies. So he's the one who's going to build the base Beit Hamikdash, the Temple, for my name. Upirish shara radak. The radak explains, "Leiratz ki akel ki lehayo kavod aviv." I'm really ze hatam anire. So the radak tells us that Shlomah Melech in explaining to Hiram why King David didn't build a base on Mikdash, but rather, Shlomo, his son, is going to build a base on Mikdash. He explained it, he said it because of the wars, but that's not the real reason. He said that because he wanted to protect the honor of David HaMalach. But that wasn't really the reason. The real reason was Hashem had decided that he wouldn't build a base on Mikdash. Now, what was the real reason? We need to understand why he said that. And he goes through, I'm not going to read the whole thing inside, but he says, you know, there were wars in the time of King David, yes. David Melech fought off all of the enemies of the Jewish people, held them at bay, and then at a certain point, the Torah tells us that there was a, an end to the wars, and there was peace, and then King David was told that he, he's not going to be able to build the base Hamigdash. So it's clearly not because of the wars. He says that what we see is that King David did have an opportunity to build a base in but he was prevented as the Navi points out. Why did he tell that had to do with the wars? What's the idea? So he says, it's an amazing thing. Hear this amazing thing. It seems to me like this. Since he had wars. And there would be more wars after the quiet. He was going to, you know, there would be offensive wars. So, but King David, since he was involved with war, he wasn't able to build a base in Mikdash. Why? King Solomon said, when he dedicated the temple, he said like this. The Jewish people, when they're gonna go out to war after the Base HaMikdash, after the temple is built, so they're gonna pray, they're gonna to come to the Base HaMikdash, they're gonna to come to the temple and they're gonna to pray to have success in war. The the basham English will have, besides, of course, for the fact that it's going to be a place where the Jewish people are going to serve God, bring their corbonis, bring the sacrifices, etc., bring atonement for themselves for any sins that they might have committed. Besides to that, it's also going to be a tremendous tool in war. Why? Because whenever the Jewish people go out to war, all they need to do is to pray to Hashem, pray to God that they should have success in their war. And because of the Beis Ham English, because of the power of their connection. To to God because of the war because of the base of Mikdash they will be successful at war. The Medrash tells us that Haman he wrote a letter and he wrote as far as far he's speaking about the the Jewish people, if they're going to build the temple, build the of HaMikdash, what they do, they come in, and they do all kinds of magic, when they come out of the temple, because of their powerful magic that they do in the temple, so they're able to destroy the entire world. Okay? But Haman understood something, which of course was... Warped by his description of it, talking about magic. But the truth was that the Jewish people, because of the base of because of the temple, because of their prayers there, because of their connection to God through the temple, they had the ability to be more successful at war. It became a Sha'arach, Melech, Says Racham Shemulav, it's an amazing thing. Since King David was going to be involved in war, King David, he had a reason an ulterior motive to wanting to build the Beis HaMikdash because he would thereby be able to be more successful at war. Amazing thing. When he builds the Beis HaMikdash, it's not going to be completely for the sake of heaven. There will be some ulterior motive, even if it's to the benefit of the Jewish people. But nevertheless, it's not going to be completely for the sake of God of course when the Jewish people win a war that's also an honor to heaven so to speak because it shows that God is on the side of the Jewish people God is on the side of those who do what's right but it still takes away from the purity of the L'Shem Shemaim of it being done for the right reasons in the end who is it that won the war the Jewish people right the Jewish people are the ones who won the war. That's what we see on the surface. When it comes to being when it comes to doing things for the sake of heaven, it needs to be completely pure. There can't be any semblance of it being for a selfish motive. We find regards to sacrifices, when it comes to regards to making an object holy, for the sake of God, it has to be, it can't be for the sake of God and also for the sake of oneself. It has to be pure, it has to be completely for the sake of God. Lishma. That's the idea of Lishma. Okay? So, this is, explains Rabbi Chaim why Davin HaMelech was not able to build the base Hamikdash. It was because if he would build it, it would not be done completely for the sake of heaven. And so he's teaching us here an amazing thing. That when it comes to lishma, what is the idea of lishma? What is the idea of doing something for the sake of heaven? What does it mean coming in and bringing a, a Nidova, a donation to the temple? It has to be done completely for the sake of heaven. It has to be done completely for God. It can't have any ulterior motives. If there is an ulterior motive, it takes away from the Binyan HaMishkan. Because the Mishkan is about God appearing in the world, about God placing His Divine Presence upon us. And where does God appear? God appears in the place where we get rid of ourselves. To the extent that we get rid of our own egos and our own interests and our own selfish motives, to that degree, Hashem comes into our lives and manifests in our lives and reveals Himself in our lives. That's the first point that we see here. And Chaim tells us another point. He says an amazing thing. The first point is L'shman needs to be done for the sake of God. V'yichu completely for God. Second point is that there's an adiva slave. There's a giving up of oneself when a person brought a donation to the to the to the to the sanctuary to the mishkan. So the, the verse tells us there was an adiva slave. There was a giving up. He says us so an amazing thing here. He brings down Rebbe Chaim Shmuelovitz. hadvarim Samishkan, nimnu shem There's a very interesting fact that could easily go unnoticed, and that is when it enumerates the precious stones that were used on the ephod, on the breastplate of the gadol, on Gadol, of the high priest. So these precious stones which were given, they're enumerated last. <speaking in Hebrew> but the truth is, that they were extremely expensive. They were very, they had a very high value. <speaking in Hebrew> the, the says, on Aleph, shishim the Gemara tells us that Dama Benesino is a certain uh, gentile who was, had an opportunity to sell a, a precious stone to the to, that was to be used in the ephod on the breastplate of the coin girdle and it was the key to it, it was underneath the feet of his father. His father was sleeping; he didn't want to wake him up, and as a result, he lost six hundred thousand shishim ribuy dinarit of six hundred thousand gold coins. Okay, so we're talking about extremely valuable. Uh, precious stones. So why were they mentioned last? They're tremendous value, so why are they mentioned last of all of the things that were given to the Mishkan? The Orachim The asks this question. He says an amazing thing. Who were the ones who brought those precious stones? It was brought by the Nesim. And the Nesim, who were the princes of each of the twelve tribes, why did they bring it last? Why did they wait till the last second? They said, look, we want to be the ones to fill in the gaps. Let the Jewish people bring all of the things that they're going to bring. And at the end, we'll see what's missing, and we will bring it last. Now, even though this was a very nice thing, and indeed at the end they brought something extremely precious, extremely valuable, Nevertheless, since there was an aspect of, you know, when a person is, has a medieval slave, when a person feels excited and anxious, and they just want to give of themselves to, to give a donation to the Hamikdash, to the temple, to the Mishkan, to the tabernacle, so there should be no pause. If there's a pause, even if it's for a good reason, it takes away from the value of the power of that action. There needs to be a diva slave. The Torah is telling us that in the building of the Mishkan, the Jewish people, in contrast to the Nesim, even though they did it for a good reason, but the Jewish people as a whole, they were super excited, super anxious, right away, I have an opportunity to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to do whatever I can. That was the a slave of the Jewish people. And he says an interesting thing, he says, even furthermore, the Orchaim also points out that the, the, for the most part, the, the donations that were given by the Jewish people, actually, I'm going to read this inside. Another reason why they were mentioned last. Based on what the Gemara says in Yuma, these precious stones which the Nisim had, were brought by the, the clouds of glory. They were, they got them for free, so to speak. The Nassim didn't lose anything when they brought those stone, those precious stones. Everyone else who brought, they brought from their own pocket they had that money they had that gold it might have been the the, the wives uh, precious necklace it might have been some other gold that they had but it was brought it was done in a way which required their effort and it wasn't just on a silver platter to them <laughs> a person has a certain it's, it's precious to a person the thing that they did that they have that they worked hard for and now that they have that money, they give that money. That shows a tremendous—it's sac- a sacrifice. That's an ediva slave much deeper. The Jewish people as a whole, the Nediva slave that was involved, the sacrifice that they made of their things was much deeper and greater than the the slave, the sacrifice that was made. Because I'm sorry, by the uh, the nesim, and therefore the avnei Shoyim were mentioned last because they weren't as chashiv, they weren't as important. They didn't represent a great sacrifice. So this is the foundations, this is the beginning, the foundations, the root, the way that the Jewish people would be involved in creating the Mishkan, creating the, the tabernacle, it was founded on these ideas. First of all, it was done with a pure intent. Now with any selfish motives, All of the the raw materials which were brought in order to create the vessels of the Mishkan, it was done with a diva slave, with a self-sacrifice on the part of the Jewish people. This is where Hashem is going to, as a result of their actions, He's going to place His Divine Presence in the Mishkan, inside of the sanctuary, and upon the Jewish people. And now he finishes off, and he says, He says something very interesting, that Hashem, why does He come down into the Mishkan? He says an amazing thing, and this is, he quoted it earlier, I didn't read this part, but He said that Hashem said to, to, as it were, He said, I don't know if it was to Himself, or He said to Moshe Rabbeinu, when He brought down the Torah down to the world, Hashem said, this is a precious thing. The, the, the Taira, I can't, I can't let go of the Taira. It's supposed to be up here in Shemaim in the heavens. You're gonna bring it down. You're gonna place it inside of the, of the Mishkan, inside of the Arn Ha'edus, right? What was inside of the box? It was the Taira. You're taking the Taira down. I'm gonna come down with you. I can't be, if, if you're taking my precious Taira down into the world, I'm gonna come down and be there where the Taira is as well. Okay? So, Hashem, where does he come down to? He comes down into the Mishkan because of the Taira. I can't separate myself from the Taira and so he comes down so you want to know how does this apply to me where does this apply in my life of course it has to do with the L'Shem Shemai doing things for the right reasons doing things for God's sake and of course doing it out of self-sacrifice to the extent that I sacrifice whether it's in tzedakah giving charity whether it's in in my dedication to my community whether it's in my dedication to Tyra, all of these areas need to have this level of self-sacrifice the only true way for a person to be a place where God places His Divine Presence in the world is only through the Torah. The conditions are exactly the same conditions that we find in regards to the Tabernacle. When a person learns the Torah, when a person is involved in Torah living, when a person is involved in learning the Torah giving tzedakah charity, as we said, all these different things, has to be done, to the extent that it's pure, purely done for the sake of Hashem, purely done for the sake of heaven, without any selfish motives, without my name needing to be on it, through self-sacrifice. And in the Torah, both of these things are really one thing. When learning Torah is not for my own sake at all, but it's done for God's sake, So there's no greater sacrifice, a giving up of myself than this. When a person is learning Torah, so he's completely giving himself up for God. He's completely sacrificing himself, so to speak, but he's sanctifying himself, actually, more, more accurately, he's sanctifying himself to Hashem completely a person who is a true a person who truly learns with the right intent so such a person is where God will place His Divine Presence in this world I want to bless you I ask you to bless me Hashem should help us to be able to do things for the right reasons to limit our egos to limit the the self-motivation the motivation which we have which is because of ourselves because of our selfish reasons Hashem should help us to sacrifice to give up for the Torah, to give up in our service of Hashem such that we indeed become a place where God manifests in the world. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.